0: Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy the message. We have a tradition here uh, as a church family uh, where every year we, we end our year with a series on faith, a series where we bring our anticipation, our expectation, and our appreciation uh, in an offering where we give to why we exist—the very purpose—to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. And uh, this year, we've called it Godspeed because that's what we're endeavoring to do as a church, and that's what we're endeavoring to do in our lives, and that's what we want to do in this offering—is go for God's best and. We want to see God increase uh, our capacity and increase our reach and increase the things that he wants to do through us in this city. And so you'll have an opportunity to participate in that at the end. But for the last six weeks, we've been in this series, and we've been learning to take some steps. And I hope that you've enjoyed it. More than that, uh, I hope that God has been using it to help you and show you some of the steps that he wants you to take and where you need to begin. and Regardless of where you're at right now and how you feel about your situation, I want to remind you of the scripture that we kicked off this series with. It was six weeks ago, if you can believe it. In Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, that doesn't mean that you're never going to go through hardship. In fact, if you've learned anything in this series, I hope one of the things you've learned is that hardship is often a necessary step towards God's best, because it's in hardship where we learn to trust God the most. And within that, I want to show you the last step that we're going to take today, and I want to go back to this parallel we've been looking at with the Exodus story, uh, this parallel how God takes his people on a journey from bondage into his best, into the promised land. And we want to take a look at a passage in Exodus chapter 23 where God talks about how he's going to deal with some of these giants who were in the land. That's where we left off last week. They were about to step in. We talked about creating some margin, creating some space for God to move. And even though they were about to go in, they were on the border of something better, there were still some battles they were going to have to fight. And so God says, I want to show you what I'm going to do with these giants once you get in there. And in my Bible, there's a little subheading above this that says a promise of the Lord's presence. Doesn't that sound good? How many of you like that promise? you like, whatever I'm going into, as I go for God's best, I would at least like a promise of God's presence. I know it's not going to be easy. I know that there's going to be challenges. But if I know that God's going to be with me, that's what Emmanuel is, God with us. If I can have a promise of his presence, I know I can do it. Well, it's attached to a principle. And so if you're ready today, I want to tell you the last step. I'm going to give it to you right up front. The last step as we go for God's best is giving. It's a necessary step. If you want to learn to enter into God's best, you need to learn to be a giver. And there's a very specific way that God wants us to give. I'm going to start in Exodus 23, verse 19, and then we'll read on. He says... As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. I want you to bring the best. I want you to bring the first. And I'll tell you why. Here's the promise. He says, as you do this, see, I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on your journey. See, I like that because that's what we've been talking about the last six weeks, this journey that we're going on. It says, as you do this. I'm going to send my angel. He's going to protect you on the journey. And he's going to lead you safely to the place that I've prepared for you. What's this place he's talking about? The promised land. But pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. In other words, better listen up. Don't resist this. Don't don't rebel against it. See, because see, sometimes God can send things into your life that you'll miss out on because you're paying attention to something else. You'll miss his assistance because you have your attention fixed on something else, probably Facebook or maybe cable. I don't know, but you're going to miss it. It can give you wisdom, instruction, and provision. And he says in verse 23, for my angel will go before you. It's going to bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mosquito bites, worst of all the cellulites, nobody likes those. But he says, I'm gonna do this, these giants, so that you can live there. Verse 25 says, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, I'll protect you from illness, There'll be no miscarriages, no infer- infertility in your land, I'll give you a long and full life. 27, he says, I'll send my terror. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send my terror ahead of you and create panic among these people whose lands you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. I'm going to send my terror ahead of you and drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I'm going to drive them out a little at a time, until your population is increased enough to take possession of the land, just a little at a time, a step at a time, step by step, I'm going to do this. And he says, and then I'm going to fix your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the eastern wilderness to the Euphrates River. I'm going to establish you in this land. So God makes a promise. He says, look, I know there's some giants in front of you. I know I've brought you out. I know there's been miracles that you've experienced. And you're about to go in. And there's some opposition. There's some obstacles. There's some, there's some battles that you're going to face. But I'm going to go before you. I'm going to give you a promise of my presence. But it all starts with a precept. And the principle is this. He says, I want you to bring your first and your best of what you harvest into my house. And so I have this message for you today. If you're taking notes and you want to write it down, this is the title of my message. I'm calling this message a little at a time. A little at a time. My son just gave me the thumbs up on that. He likes that one. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's pray. Let's go and uh Ask God to speak to us today. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your help. God, I know I need your help, and I believe everybody here needs your help. And so, God, I'm asking that you would speak to us today. God, I know you speak every time we open up your word, and I'm asking you to do it again, God. We need to hear from you. Not my opinions, not my ideas, but we need to hear what you say. God, we need your help. There's different things all of us are facing, especially during this season. Unexpected things, some things expected. And God, we need your help in this. So I'm asking God that you'll speak to us today. Show us how you help us. And thank you, God, that you will. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you uh, would consider yourself impatient people? Anybody? Not all at once now. I see some hands. I see some elbows flying. I see some fingers pointing. Thank you for being proud about that, by the way. I appreciate that. It may come as no surprise to you, Um I tend to be a little bit on the impatient side. Uh, and it's not like with everything. Uh, you know, it's just certain things. Mostly my kids, I think, bring it out in me more than anything else. I think this season in particular brings it out. Does anybody agree with me on Like, I almost feel like the culture of Christmas has built in uh, all of us practicing our patience. How many would agree with that? Because, like, everything about, I mean, you are trained as a child to become impatient. They get you those little calendars with the chocolate in it, right? It's counting down. I want to eat the whole thing. I don't want to wait. Just let me get there. And there's longer lines at the store, increase traffic. I think Christmas is an exercise in patience. And I don't know if it's all bad. I mean, I almost think part of it is by design, especially when I look at how God came into the world, how he sent his son Jesus into the world. He was born into, born into the world during a time of silence, over 400 years of silence. Nobody had heard from God, no prophets. Nobody. God was silent. They'd been waiting for this promise of the Messiah, just waiting, just waiting, just practicing patience. And God shows up to save humanity from their sins, from their sorrow, from their shame. And even the interesting thing about that, you think about how God saves us. I mean, I'm sure he could have decided to save us in a way that happened all at once. But when he sent his son, he sent him to the world to be born. It's a little baby. Has to wait 33 years, 30 years until he would start his ministry, minister for three, 33 years. He he dies and and salvation happens at the opportunities for salvation happened. I've just noticed that when it comes to God fulfilling his purpose, God's okay with it happening a little at a time. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, I hope that if you've learned anything in this series is that you see the process of entering God's best, it happens a little at a time. Now, We've been going over different principles, different steps every week, and and really, these principles, most of them, they're they're universal. They're, They're things that will apply to any area of your life, any area where you want to go for God's best. Now, we've been speaking specifically in the area of finances, and so I imagine when I get up and tell you at the beginning of our message that the last step, one of the necessary steps for entering into God's best is giving, that's immediately counterintuitive with the way most of us think. Because, I mean, just simple math, if we're talking about increase, if we're talking about advancing, and you're saying giving, well, that by definition means I'm going to have less. But I want you to think about this just in any other area of your life. That giving is a necessary step towards increase. (coughs) It's a necessary step towards increase. Like, think about with your strength. If you want to have more strength, what do you do? We well, gotta to go to the gym, maybe start training, start working out, really dedicated to hire a trainer, but what do you, you, you give some of your strength, and what happens? The process is, in return, you gain some strength. Think about with your friends. If you want to gain more friends, you have to be friendly. Offer offer some friendship. You don't get less by by holding on to what you have. If you want more love in your life, you you, you gain more love by by giving love. Encourage people. It's the same principle. It's the way God set it up in the world that giving is a necessary step to increase. Scripture talks about it this way. It says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. In other words, when you, when you hold on to stuff that you're supposed to give, it actually leads to poverty. And so I want you to think about that, and I hope that maybe even just that thought is a revelation for you today, because I'm sure there's some of you that when it comes to the subject of of giving, like immediately there's some resistance. Immediately your guard goes up. You think, man, I don't know. It's like, man, they just want my money. That's what this is all about. But it's not about that at all. That giving is a necessary step towards increase. It's a necessary step to go for God's best. And even if that is a revelation for you, I hope it helps you. It's not about getting something from you. It's really about you opening up to the opportunity for God to give back into your life. And this is an area where God would really like you to experience his best through the step of giving. And here's what I want to tell you about giving and God's best. This is the first thing I have for you, is that giving begins with tithing. Giving begins with tithing. Now, I bring that up because in Exodus chapter 23, where we're looking at, God is speaking to his people about the covenant relationship that he has with them. He's He's brought them out of bondage, and he's beginning to lay out. He's providing a structure for how they can become a nation and what it means to be a free people and a prosperous people. He's brought them out of Egypt. He's brought them out of bondage. But, you know, there's a difference between coming out physically and coming out mentally. You know, sometimes people stay stuck in this same perpetual state of mind, like they drag the same shackles, even though they've left a place of a situation that God has delivered them from, they, they stay there in their mind. And so God, he, he's laying out a foundation for how they should live and, and he starts, you may know some of them, he starts like with the 10 commandments, that's in Exodus 20. And he lists them out, he's thou shouts and thou shalt nots and, and he's doing that, providing a framework not to prohibit them, but to give them freedom. And he goes in and he, he talks about some other, he, he lays down some, uh, some regulations for how they should interact with each other, for how they should operate as a society and you know, a community. He, he goes on and, and talks about how they should treat each other, how they should treat foreigners that come in. He, he, goes, he talks about social injustice. He, he does all of these things. In fact, one of the things he talks about uh, he, he says, you know, one of the things you need to do is, is you need to plan to celebrate some. It's so funny, because many times we think about, like, all these rules and regulations in the Old Testament, and we think all these things we can't do, but God actually says, you, know, you need to plan to party a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm putting this down. Like, you need to plan a few times a year. Like, there's some specific parties that you need to throw, and this is how you need to, that's, I mean, it sounds like a really unfun God to me, just establishing party. But he says you need to do this. And then, right before he gets to them going into this land and the obstacles they're going to face, he says, you also need to learn to give. He says, when you come to me and you worship, I don't want you to come empty-handed. I want you to come with something to give. And, And he talks to them about how they should give. So I want you to bring me an offering because I don't want you to that you brought yourself here. I want you to be protected from trusting in your own provision. And this is how he says it. It says 23, 19, says, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first, the best on the first, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. So he says, so every time I bless you, I want you to engage in this discipline of entrusting to me what I've invested to you. Now, in case you've missed what's going on here, God is talking to them about this land that they're going to go into, but they're not in that land yet. (laughs) He's talking to them about this promised land, this, this land of more than enough, but when he's talking to them, they're still in the wilderness. When he's talking to them, they are still in this land of just enough. And he says, look, I'm getting you ready. And see, whenever God wants to get you ready, it's always going to start with your thinking. He's he's not going to wait till you get to the place. He doesn't want you to get to this land of more than enough and still think like a slave. It's got to start with your thinking. And so I want you to be a self-governing people. I, I want you to be a free people, not entitled. I want you to start thinking like landowners, landowners that are going to plant a seed and reap a harvest. And the pattern that God sets forth is this. He says, a little at a time. When you get a harvest, when you get an increase, we say when you get a paycheck, when that comes into your life, the first thing I want you to do is set aside the first portion and set aside the best portion for my purpose. A little at a time. In fact, the Bible calls this a now, it's interesting to point out that like this wasn't just happening in the law. Like This is a principle. It's not a, like, a law that God established. It's a principle throughout Scripture. In fact, you see it as early as Genesis. You, you see Abel in, in creation. You see Abel, he brings God an offering, and it says how he brought his first and his best. You see it with Abraham. You see it with Isaac. You see it with Jacob. You see it all, all throughout Scripture, this bringing the first and the best. Later on, some people think it happened in the law. Later on, in Leviticus, God, he's, he's expanding, he's, he's explaining, he's, he's elaborating on some of the principles that he set forth earlier. He puts it this way. He says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in church, I always thought this word holy meant something like, like you didn't break any rules. I thought like the word holy was, you know, like, like there were all these things you had to do. And as long as you abided by all those things, well, then you were holy. Or, you know, holy meant pure, undefiled. But really, and I chose this translation for a reason, when you see the word holy, it means something very simple. Holy, it simply means set apart. That, that's what it means. Holy means. Set apart. So, what he's saying here is one tenth tithe. So, that's that's set apart for my purpose. Set apart for the Lord's use. So, what I want to explain about that is that tithing—it's not meant to be mixed with other forms of giving. I understand this. There's no condemnation here. Everybody gets a pass today. I'm just trying to explain some things for you, help you understand how God sees this. So maybe you've thought like, okay, well, you know, my my neighbor's car broke down. And so I, I gave them some money to help them get it fixed. Or I saw somebody in need and I met a need. Here's what I want to say about that. That's awesome. I'm so glad you did that. And it's scriptural to do that. You should do that. But that's not tithing. Tithing is something that is set apart for the Lord Jesus. He says, it, it's set apart for me. It's for my purpose. It's what what's his per- God, God cares about people being in relationship with him. And so I'm just trying to help you get some perspective. There, there's no shame. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm here to give you some truth. It's the first part, it's the best part. It's a little at a time. It literally means 10%. And it's set apart for God's use. And so it's in this context that God gives his people a promise. He says, look, you're about to go into this land, this land that is my best for you, but there's some giants there, there's some obstacles that you're going to face, and these enemies are bigger, they're more skilled, they're more experienced in warfare than you are, but don't you worry, I'm going to make you a promise of my presence. And within this promise, there's really three promises, and I want to give them to you because They apply to you. And the first one I want to tell you about is this. It's protection. Protection. You see it in Exodus 23, verse 20. He says, see, I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey. On your journey. God offers a promise of protection. And sometimes, you know, we don't even realize what we need to be protected from. The the, the way it works is God offers us a promise to protect us, but you only see it when you're looking back. That's the way life works. He's doing it for you all along, along the way. Now, I do want you to notice this, that God is only able to protect you on the journey. That means that you're taking a step. That means that you have to be in motion. God can't protect you until you start taking some steps. And so when you're praying for God's protection and you're sitting on the couch doing it, you're sitting on the sidelines, instead of obeying the instruction that he's given you, he can't dispatch his assistance to help you for an assignment that you're not present for. Now, here's how I think about this, because I have four children, and two of them are at the age now where we have homework in the house. Now, what that means, if if you're a parent, you know what it means. Like Homework in the house means that you get the joy and the privilege of helping your kids with their homework. Now, you can tell I love this. Now, I, I, I actually, here's one thing I've learned. I cannot make the assignment easier for them. I can't change the assignment. I can't tell them that they don't have to do it. What I can do is I can help them with it, and I'm happy to help them with it. And I'm able to help them with it. But in my house, can I tell you something? I cannot help them until they get started. (laughs) The only way they get my help is when they sit down and they start doing it. And it's the same thing for you, that's why When God has called you to do something, when he's given you an assignment and it seems too hard for you and it seems too big for you, the best thing you can do is to start doing it because that's when his help is going to come along. You will not get assistance from God praying for the assignment to be easier. He's not going to do that for you. I'm sorry if that's what you want, but he never promised to do that. But what he will do and what he promises to do is he will release his assistance in correspondence with your assignment. He will help you as you take a step and you step out. And one of the great things is, is the greater the assignment, the greater the assistance. The the Israelites, you could say they had a giant assignment because they had some giants in the land that they had to go into. But he says, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to go with you. And it's not just protection that he offers. He says, I will protect you on the journey. But then he also says, I'll lead you safely to the place. So he offers me protection along the way. But then he also promises to position me for the place. That's the second thing I want to tell you. He promises to position, to position. I've just noticed that God is really good about getting me where I need to be when I need to be there. You know what's so funny with all these things that happened with the Israelites, all the wandering around? God was patient with them. He worked with them. He he was there. His presence never left them, even though it wasn't supposed to take this long. His presence never left left them. He provided for them. He helped them there were countless miracles he worked even in the wilderness and this is what i've found with god is that he can set you up he'll position you but he can't take the step for you because if he took the step for you it wouldn't be kindness be cruelty do you know why because he would actually put you in a place that you're not prepared for and so he's patient with you and he always waits He puts you in a position. He always waits for you to take the step. Now, here's the tragic thing about this text, though, is that God protected these people. He brought them to this place, worked all these, put them in a position to go in. But there was an entire generation who followed Moses, and they never went in. And this is kind of strange to say, may challenge you a little bit, but I hope you hear this. God's promises are not automatic. Even though God has promised this, he's promised protection, he's promised his presence. He's promised to position you. His promises are not automatic. Joy is optional. Peace is optional. Provision is optional. Prosperity is option. His promises are not automatic. Think about this. Even with salvation, God has done everything he's going to do in providing salvation for you. But you still have to choose to accept it. It's not automatic. And you can choose to live in the land of just enough, or you can choose to live in the land of more than enough. But you have to take a step Now he's positioned you he's protected you he's done all these things for you already and he's put you in a place so that you can go in to what he's prepared for you and that's the third promise is preparation preparation what I want to tell you is that God has been setting you up for this all along you are ready for this He's been preparing you. Some of you, you don't even realize this, but God has been preparing you for this, whatever it is that you're facing. Now, can I tell you a secret about preparation? Preparation is not very fun. Am I alone in that? I'm not. I like the party. I don't like planning for the party. I like looking at the decorations. I don't like setting up the decorations. Right? I don't like the preparation part. And you know why preparation's not fun? Because it happens a little at a time. Just a little bit, little by little, God is preparing you. And I already told you I'm impatient. And the danger is that we will give up on the promise because we grow impatient. That's what God is warning his people about. He he says, look, I'm warning you because I'm making this covenant promise, but if you don't pay attention, you can enter right up to the edge of your promise, but have your progress stopped. That's what happened to the Israelites. They had the faith to proceed, but they didn't have the faith to possess. They had enough faith to look at it but they weren't willing to do what they needed to do to live in it. So they actually, they, they, you know the story, they go in, they investigate, sent some spies in, but they didn't do anything beyond that. And see, there's one thing God cannot and will not do for you. He promises to go before you, but he will not go for you. He promises to go before you, but he will not go for you. Your faith has to make the step. See, and if they would have gone in to possess it, and what they would have realized is that those giants who were left in the land, they were left there for a purpose. Now, this seems confusing. I don't know if you've ever been confused like this, but when I look at this, this has baffled me for a long time because I know God has... Oh, this is called the Promised Land. I know God has brought them out to go in, and there's all, oh, but there's still these giants. And I know you're gonna like be with them and help them take over, but like, why do not you just like take them all out at once? Like, like why? I want you to read how he says it. He says, "I will drive them out a little at a time." Why? Why not just drive them out all at once, God? I mean, that would make more, like. Have you ever felt like? You've got some stuff in your life, some stuff that's opposing you, some obstacles in your way, and you wish God would just get rid of it all at once. Am I alone in that? I guess so. I'm all alone. Nobody else. I'm just preaching to myself up here today. I'm wondering, why wouldn't you do it all at once? He says, I'll drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession I see, until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. So many times we're waiting on God to show up, but he's waiting on us to grow up. And you, you got to get this because this is something that you need to understand. Sanctification is not the same thing as salvation. Salvation, Jesus saves you, happens in a moment. Jesus comes into your life. He comes into your heart. It happens all at once. He comes in the way sanctification though well, that takes some time. Forgiveness happens in a moment. Freedom happens a little at a time. And it starts with a step. And often it's so incremental you don't even realize it's happening. So I wanted to end here today because I'm going to ask you guys to take a step. And as I ask you to take a step as we close out this series, I'm also going to ask you to keep walking. Don't stop with just a step, but keep putting one step in front of the other and from the other because entering into God's best happens a little bit at a time.